Welcome to another Matrix Care podcast from the software leaders for out-of-hospital and long-term care providers. I'm Doc DeVore, Director of Enterprise Interoperability at Matrix Care and host for today's episode. Matrix Care is dedicated to sharing knowledge and building awareness among providers across the spectrum, from home care to skilled nursing to senior living and life plan communities. Thanks for joining us. Our topic, frontline experience battling COVID-19 in home health. We're going to listen in on a conversation with Naveen Gupta, Vice President of Home Care Solutions for Matrix Care, and his special guest that we're pleased to have today, Paul Pisano, Chief Executive Officer at Interim Healthcare of Hartford. Naveen, the microphone is yours. Uh, thank you, Doc. Uh, as always, appreciate you hosting us. Um, the pandemic has changed us would be uh, an understatement. Um, we're beginning to see some encouraging news and the flattening of the curve. Um, capacity in hospitals are, are beginning to emerge. And in many places now, elective surgeries have also reopened back. Um, as of yesterday, we've had in a, right here in the U.S., 1.5 million infections, uh, almost 9,200 deaths. But when you compare, compare it to the earlier models of on almost 100 million projections, uh, 5 million hospitalizations, and much higher uh, number of fatalities, uh, we're beginning to see at least a glimmer of hope as things plays out. There's always also been um, you know, loosening of restrictions and shelter in place. So it's interesting to keep an eye out on what this means for home health and hospice organizations. I'm very, very excited to have Paul on the podcast. Paul, we've had an opportunity to meet a few times now and really glad that we can connect and hear about your frontline experiences. So welcome, Paul. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So Paul, I just want to open it up generally uh, to you. Uh, what has the frontline experience been with COVID-19? Are you seeing COVID-19 patients at all? Um, just help us understand a little bit how, how um, has this pandemic impacted your agency? Similarly to what you mentioned to start this off, Naveen, it's a changing landscape every single day for us um, with our frontline staff. We're sending out education and having conference calls every morning with who our patients are, who's positive, who's not. Um, so quickly to answer your question, we are seeing COVID positive patients. And based on where the numbers are, we felt as an agency we had, we had no choice um, mm. to be prepared to see them. And we also have patients where family members are impacted and they're their caregivers. So we, even if we don't believe our patient is, they are connected to people that are. Um, so we are seeing COVID positive patients. Okay. So it's interesting that interim, uh, you know, overall the parent organization was involved very early on in, in Washington at Life Care Center. Uh, I, I had read, uh, this was several weeks ago in April, I had read, you know, your CEO's um, uh, an interview and just talking about you know, the impacts to the various organizations. And at that time, you know, she had indicated uh, almost 50 of the 300 locations were, were actively seeing COVID-19 patients. So it's just interesting to hear your point of view. Um, <clears throat> certainly we've seen some flattening of the curves right now. Um, how do you see patient flow? Are you beginning to see an increase in COVID-19 patients? Uh, in terms of home health, uh, are you beginning to see um, non-COVID uh, patients? And I know this was a little earlier on, you know, when there was a crisis with ICU beds, et cetera. Just tell us a little bit in terms of the patient flow and census to home health, particularly your agency. I, I do think that's a state-by-state 
question. Um, in Connecticut, we just dipped under 1,000 hospitalizations currently for COVID. Um, we're at 994 as of uh -huh. yesterday. Uh -huh. So we, we've seen a, a bit of a slowdown in our COVID referrals just this past week and an increase in hospital-based referrals of other kinds. Um, we have noticed in Connecticut, a lot of people were avoiding going to the ER, to the hospital, not just the elective surgeries, but people that were having issues. Um, all of a sudden in Connecticut, a heart attack and our stroke numbers and all those things went down um, very significantly um, in the last two months here. And most people feel it's more based on people not going to their doctors or not going to the hospital. So we've had a very busy week of non-COVID this week, most we've had since this started. Okay, but, but if you look at the trend, you know, over the last two months, how, how, did the census dip for you? And is it, you know, sort of picking back up is what I'm hearing, but I just wanted to confirm that's, that's the pattern that, that, that you were observing. Yes, so we had, we had a pretty sudden cliff um, right after the COVID news hit, mm -hmm. mostly based on, you know, fear of our general census that wanted our people out as well, because they were aware we're healthcare workers who, who work in facilities, who work in other homes. So we had yes. a very significant drop right when all this became big news. And then it kind of flattened. And then over the last two weeks, we've picked up um, significantly. Um, let's talk caregivers for a second. You know, home health workers, 3.3 um, million. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, they, they comprise of nurses, therapists, personal care aides, and they provide a range of services uh, to almost 12 million people, many of them elderly, chronically ill, uh, very often disabled, bedridden, many different diseases from Alzheimer's, cognitive uh, issues. Um, and they're a critical link. Uh, as you know, in fighting this deadly pandemic, um, how are your caregivers doing? They're doing better than you would expect, Naveen. I, mm -hmm. I, I'm, my, my father is a, <laughs> a retired cop in New York City, and uh, he was around during the 9-11 times. And I remember him talking mm -hmm. about this at home, of the appreciation that he received, you know, because of what happened, in, you know, in mm -hmm. a negative light. And, and one thing I do feel warm about, at least here locally in Connecticut, is the, the outpouring of support for our caregivers who, who deserve that recognition every day, but as you guys know, don't always get it. Um, I, you know, I see hearts driving in every day of, we love you, and flyovers, and people sending lunches to hospitals, and, and all the things you guys see in the news. Um, so yes. they're, they're very appreciative um, of that, and honestly, that's kind of what you sign up for with the job is what I'm getting from most of the people. Um, they want to be protected. They want to be educated. They want to know what they're walking into, but you know, they're aware that they took this profession with the expectation that there are going to be, you know, bloodborne, airborne, respiratory type diseases that they're going to be at risk for. So they've been incredible. Right. <clears throat> so, so Paul, just, um, I know I've talked to a number of CEOs within our client base. Uh, we've interviewed several of them as well. Um, you know, caregivers, I think, and, you know, there were caregivers that were concerned about seeing COVID-19 patients. Uh, we'll talk about PPE in a little bit. Um, there, was, there was a fear that um, they could bring it back home. Uh, in many cases, uh, the same caregivers are seeing multiple patients, and so there's a fear exposure to one means, then they get quarantined, and, uh, and therefore, just again, you know, labor shortage and getting right people to provide care. Um, so, you know, have you asked your caregivers to do wellness checks, reporting any symptoms? So what, what, um, what have you observed in terms of workflow changes you've had to make to be able to sort of navigate this new normal here? 
similar to our patients, we have a tracking system just for our employees. So they um, check self-diagnose their symptoms and take their temperature twice a day at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day. And we have a tracking system of who's potentially been exposed, who is out on quarantine because their doctor recommended or awaiting uh -huh. results from a test. Um, we have specific people for specific patients, specific assisted living facilities and senior care facilities. So we have a, a, a large matrix, so to speak, of, of our caregivers just as much as our patients to keep them safe and, and limit the risk as best we can. Okay. okay. <laughs> Did you have any caregivers at all um, just uh, exit because they were, they were afraid to, to work in the season? We, we, we have. So we have had some people with comorbidities and other issues that they felt based on a decision with their family or themselves or their doctor that it wasn't worth the risk, even though we have the PPE and, and they are aware of, you know, what can and cannot pass, they decided to stop. So we have had some people that went out on leave um, during this time. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, in terms of challenges, I know, um, you know, we're, we seem to be as I said in the beginning, and a glimmer of hope there, you know, you're indicating referrals seem to be picking, uh, beginning to pick back up. Uh, you know, over the two-month periods, there were certainly uh, a number of challenges that, you know, organizations such as yours were facing. Um, there were certainly canceled visits because um, people were just concerned about um, AIDS uh, or, or nurses, you know, bringing in the disease. Um, there were also concerns about uh, just having enough PPE equipment, um, you know, that was really concerned with masks and gowns and gloves and things like that. Um, I remember, you know, in that same article, uh, Jennifer talked about that she had, she had become interim's procurement officer, you know, and in her words, I've never spent so much time in procuring personal protective equipment in all of my career. So uh, talk to us a little bit about you know, what were some of the challenges that you faced and which ones of them still persist and which ones of them have sort of resolved itself? The, the PPE is, is, is a hot, hot button issue, and initially we were lucky that we had a decent stockpile of PPE on, on hand. I know mm -hmm. a lot of the franchisees and a lot of home care companies did not. So I know early on it was, it was a big rush to get it, and as you guys saw, the shelves were bare at all your suppliers very quickly. Um, we've, we're coming up on our 50th year anniversary, so um, we've had, we have really good relations with our suppliers in the area. And then one of the benefits of being a franchisee, we were able to tap, tap into um, our corporate um, office as well to get masks and, and those of need. So for us, PPE so far has not been an issue. Um, we've been able to um, have a good enough supply right from the beginning. Um, the bigger issue for us was uh, declining, you know, uh, clients declining services. They were very quick to say, I don't want anybody, or I only want this service. I just want the nurse for my wound care. I don't think therapy is necessary. I don't think the home health aid is necessary. Um, we did a lot of telehealth calls, and I know we'll get into that in a minute, but um, so we've had a lot of people. It's interesting, during this pandemic, we've seen what is important to the patient and, and right. what they think they really need, because they're the ones really driving it more than us, um, despite our attempts to educate uh, the safety they have. Okay, that's great. So are you still, still seeing restrictions into uh, going into assisted living or inter independent living facilities? I know that was a big issue because a number of agencies provided care into these senior facilities and not being able to go in really impacted the ability to provide care. 
We have, um, that is, and that's still in place here in Connecticut, Naveen. We've had good relations with our facilities. So it's been a dialogue between myself and, and their um, direction and their executive leadership about who they want in, um, when they want them to come, what they're expecting of our team. Um, so we have dedicated staff to these certain facilities. We guarantee that'll be their first visit of the day on some of them. They're receiving uh -huh. temperature checks. Um, they have full PPE at all times. Um, we work with a, a place, um, Shady Oaks in Bristol, Connecticut, where they're preferred provider. And, and recently there was an article in the New York Times uh, about um, the gentleman that runs the place there. He has his caregivers living there on site um, during this whole pandemic. So his aides and his staff has been staying there this whole time. And they have yet to have a positive case in a senior community, which is pretty rare. Wow. Here wow. in Connecticut, um, they, needed, they needed our nurse and therapist. So very early on, we came to an understanding that they would have this, this one nurse, this one therapist, and they would each have one backup in need. And that would be their first visit of the day um, at all costs and, and, and go on from there. Um, so it's been interesting. That's great. I mean, it's just looking at, you know, the resiliency, right, of institutions, caregivers, figuring out, like I just, you said, you know, figuring out ways to go and extend care because the need still exists and care needs to be delivered. So uh, it's really, it's really encouraging to see how you and others uh, were, were navigating this. Um, I know economic impact was a big thing, um, you know, during the last two months, um, there was certainly cash issues. And this was before all of the federal funding, and we'll talk about that in a second. But so you had a combination of elective surgeries uh, being down. Uh, obviously, there, there was the cost for PPE. Um, and uh, I think it was Bayada, you know, just talking about that they use a whole year's worth of supply in a month or so. It was just, just you know, tremendous in the, in the amount of PPE expenses. There was increased cost of labor. There was, we talked about canceled visits. There was also challenges just getting signatures uh, from doctors. So that, as you know, you know, holds up claims and claims processing and timeliness of that, uh, lockdown of the senior facilities. So these economic impacts, it's really great what the federal funds were able to do and a number of, you know, agencies that I've chatted with, they said that has really, really helped. Uh, you know, this is the combination of the Provider Relief Fund, which was the CARES Act and the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, help, us, help us understand uh, what, what did this do for your organization, you know, from an economic perspective, and how did you all navigate these? So those points are completely true, and, and we're not um, any different than any other agency from a cash flow and, and a, a reserve of the need to continue to collect. So really, the, the federal funding has been our lifeline here in May. So, mm -hmm. in, you know, typically most healthcare companies, you collect on services the month before. You know, our days to collection is around 33 days or so yep. right now. So the first month or so it wasn't an issue because um, we were collecting on previous, but then as you know, mid-April hit, then we really started to see those deposits start to go down. So we were able to, um, you know, tap into the CARES Act from, from both the stimulus side and also the payment protection um, side to continue to have the increased cost, but realize our revenue is down um, during this whole process. You know, Paul, again, you know, just referencing back that same interview, um, you know, interim, you know, this was in April, this is the middle of April, about a month ago, um, you know, the, 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 the feedback was that overall, uh, they're on pace with last year, uh, <clears throat> same month, you know, the comment was same month, we're up a little bit. 
Um, what, what, what do you think is the outlook? If you look at your agency, how do you think the next quarter or two is going to play out? So, you know, projections right now in the quarter we're in, we are down um, around 25 to 30%, mostly based on the elective surgeries and the visits per episode going down. We are mm -hmm. still a, a pay per visit for a good amount of our payers. They're not all episodic and, you know, PDGM and all that. So right. we are down in that world. Um, roughly, and I have no data to back this up, I would expect a plus quarter here from a catch-up standpoint in some areas. Will it replace the 30% we lose in this quarter? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But I do expect it to be a healthier quarter um, coming up as elective surgeries are opening in Connecticut this week. We've seen hospital um, um, hospital admission uh, admissions go up this week in Connecticut for non-COVID. So I would expect here in June, July, August, September, that to be a little bit of a stronger summer than it typically mm -hmm. is for us. So, um, so, so you do sense there's a, there will be a pent-up demand and, uh, you know, in one sense that you will see that census pop back up again. We will. We expect to go back there. I, I do think for the, you know, we'll see how, how it all plays out. And obviously it's a long year and those things. So I do think you will have some lost business in the home care from this, but not, not as much as, as it is today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so one of the, th the other things, Paul, was, um, you know, digital delivery, you know, connectedness with technology is going to become very, very important. And uh, there's some really good questions about, you know, what does care delivery look like in, in sort of this post-pandemic? And we're not there yet, but, you know, in this post-pandemic world. Um, so, you know, telehealth has certainly emerged. There's been um, you know, a lot of federal guidelines and CMS guidelines with regards to the use of telehealth in home health and hospice. And I know in tele, you know, in home health in particular, it's not, it's not covered in terms of reimbursements. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, are you using telehealth uh, today? Um, do you see that accelerating? And uh, just give us a point of view on, on how do you see some of this remote delivery services being implemented in your organization? We, we try to be the best partner we can for our clients, for our referral partners. So we are doing telehealth at a very high level, despite okay. the lack of reimbursement. Um, there are some of our payers that are reimbursing. Um, we are, uh, even our state Medicaid is now reimbursing as of last week um, for certain types of visits. Um, I would love to see it more widespread going forward because there is very much a, a, a need for that to keep people out from going back to the hospital forgetting COVID and all those things. We've always been an advocate of, of the FaceTime, of the telehealth, of those check-ins that would keep people healthy and in the community, but we are driven a bit by reimbursement, as we know, so that's always been, you know, kind of a hurdle. So I do hope that this shows people that a telehealth visit is almost as good as in-person visit a lot of the time, and it is worth reimbursing us, even if it's at a decreased um, level because it does serve a major purpose. So we're doing it. I, I would say a lot of our patients are getting a hybrid of telehealth and in-person, um, depending on the patient. Yeah, it's great to hear, Paul. You know, I uh, hosted Sadiq Pisapati. You know, he is the uh, strategy leader at uh, HRS, Health Recovery Solutions. And, you know, you may be aware, Paul, that we um, just launched our uh, integration and relationship with them uh, just curious, have you? Uh, what, what are you using? What technology are you using with telehealth services? So, so that's where I, that's that is that is good to hear, Naveen. And I, I think I'm going to tap into you after our conversation to kind of get more into that. So we're right now we're doing 
we have the, the FaceTime through our iPads, you know, with them. We have a, a tele, a, we're looking for a new telehealth um, provider now that we're actually using um, what we had more. Um, so we, uh, you know, so I think we'll have to have a conversation offline on that. That's great, Paul. <laughs> we'll be able to connect with, uh, you know, your customer success and happy to, to uh, really, we're just inspired by what HRS is doing and what they've been able to do. They're best in class uh, in the telemonitoring category, and uh, we're just seeing an increased adoption. And it's funny enough, it wasn't that we started, you know, really focusing on telehealth and telemonitoring just because of COVID. This was already way in our roadmap, and the timing of it was perfect because early April, we went general availability and, uh, you know, so, and there was a demand for it. So it's great that uh, we can have a conversation about it. And I'd love to, to chat with you more on it. So just continuing on the same theme on technology, um, you know, so over the last two months, we've been laser focused on really just not thinking so much commercially. We were like, what do we need to do to support our clients during this COVID-19? And there were things that we did a number of uh, education sessions on regulatory. We had uh, Angela Spadola from, from Littler talk about, uh, you know, employment law and all of the various legal aspects and the federal funding, et cetera. We did a number of webinars on interoperability, uh, certainly with HRS as well, with, with telehealth and telemonitoring. But within our product, we focused on uh, getting the screening tool ready. We've actually released a second version of that. We put in alert notifications and warning for client visits. There were ways to identify risk and uh, the need for the different level of patients. There were staff educations. There were care plans for risk infections and interventions. And um, funny enough, we're actually working on a real uh, a dashboard that will enable agencies to see uh, what's happening with the census, what's happening with uh, their uh, reimbursements. Um, they can see pockets of uh, other relevant information sort of tied to COVID-19. But curious, Paul, from your point of view, uh, from your staff, um, what else are you hearing? Uh, what are your needs uh, you know, during this time? You, you know, and I, I don't know that's not what this, this conversation is, is for, but I want to take a quick second to thank you, Naveen. And, and Matrix Care and, and Brightree has been incredible. What I've been so impressed and surprised by is the other stuff that you mentioned at the beginning of this that you guys have rolled out. I, I expect from, you know, any EMR and software system to get into the you know, the stuff you can do within the system to make us better and safer with COVID and, and various other things. But the, the HR stuff, um, I even got, you know, I got reach outs about um, you guys supplying PPE to the Northeast yeah. and, and a shipment going to New York. And do we need that? And, and we didn't need it. But the fact that that was even something that we could have gotten through EMR would just blows my mind. Like I would never in a million years think that, you know, that would be even an avenue um, to have a discussion with you guys. So you guys are really expanded what your role is as a partner to, I assume every agency, but for sure for us about um, what you can provide. So that's been incredibly helpful and um, we're lucky enough that we are pretty robust and part of a bigger network with interim um, as our franchisor, but I could imagine right. you, got, you gave a lot of resources to people that needed it at a very, very crucial time in their business. So um, that, that was a very good um, decision on you guys to really expand your education to beyond what your software could provide. So that was wonderful. That's great, Paul. I, I you know, um, just, again, appreciate that feedback. You know, very similar. We're part of ResMed. That's our parent organization. Uh, ResMed has been leading, you know, has been on the front lines with uh, providing ventilators, um, you know, across, across the globe. 
And, uh, you know, our relationship with our parent organization, just uh, we're not in the PPE business, but we, we saw that as a way to really care for um, the agencies that are on the front lines. And uh, in some cases, we were able to connect them to suppliers. In some cases, we were able to source and really just pass it at cost, um, you know, to these agencies. And uh, so I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you for that feedback. I've got, Paul, I've got two more questions for you. One is, um, you know, obviously we've got a number of people that listen to this. Certainly, you know, within our segment of home health and hospice and um, any, any, anything from your experience um, battling pandemic and, you know, battling COVID-19 and this pandemic, uh, any uh, words of wisdom, anything that you would like to share uh, for other, um, you know, agency owners, administrators, anything that really comes to mind? You can never really prepare for something like this. I know this is the first time I've had to deal with this in this position and, and many of us. Um, have had to deal with something. So I do think we've learned from, you know, the, the blueprint of how, how to get there. The biggest thing that we've benefited from for our staff, for our community is really just education, uh-huh. education, education, education. So um, that's where the telehealth has come in big for us and doing stuff locally in the community, reaching out to our local um, law enforcement about what what healthcare is, what home care is, what we need. Um, I think everyone wants to help. They just don't know where it would be most helpful. Even within our patients, we have, um, for example, we had one patient who was very high risk, bed bound, non-COVID, but needed you know care. All their family wanted to come over and do this for them and that and take their clothes to the laundry mat and all these. And, and a lot of it was education that that's not what this person needs right now. They actually need to be <laughs> um, kept alone as much as possible and, and preventing them from getting a COVID and those things. So really, you know, just communicating with everybody involved. I think we're all, everyone's good out there and everyone wants to help and just doing it in the right way um, has been most important for us. That's great, Paul. I think uh, that's good, you know, counsel for, for others uh, on this and what you've learned from it. Uh, one final question, you know, I, uh, we've been, um, ResMed has been helping us with this program called Nominated Hero, and uh, we have this team called Care Runs Deep. And really, essentially, the whole idea is to be able to feature frontline workers and hear stories about just um, heroics of what, uh, you know, caregivers are doing in the field and how they've been just serving uh, selfishly. And um, um, so we've, we've seen a number of stories come through. Um, you know, there was an, just last Friday, we had uh, Tara Lowry. She's, um, you probably know her, she's the CEO of Sangre. And just, you know, she talked about this incredibly young lady uh, she's a music therapist and during this pandemic you know she is out there serving in the community and just you know you providing this music therapy and that just inspired us um, perhaps there's someone in your organization Paul that you want to call out and you've just seen someone go above and beyond uh, and just serve and serve in a way that's uh, that's a little more unique uh, you know just given where we are and given the sort of the climate uh, is there is there anyone that comes to mind Paul no, so really, uh, uh, for me, what jumps out when you when you say that, Naveen, is is our social work team, their their volume has gone down um, with this in particular, as far as you know they, what they provide. Um, so they took it upon themselves the very first week of this, seeing that, knowing that their referrals may be down. Uh-huh. And they they came to me as a team and asked, you know, can they call every one of our patients? <laughs> so. They, they reached out to every single patient in our census and just asked them about their needs. It wasn't a billable thing for us. It, it wasn't, it was just talking about, you know, 
are you okay? What you need emotionally, what you need in general, we came back with stuff like they needed toilet paper. So we worked with our aides to get them some. We, you know, it was incredible how the first thing, and maybe that's the, the background of the social worker and, and they're wonderful. Um, yeah. But, you know, they, they thought about the people first and they went through our whole census and they're still doing it every week with new people and just, just doing check-ins and just, are you okay? Do you need anything? How are we doing? You know, how's your family doing? And, and it's been I've gotten so many compliments from patients just yes. that one phone call from a social worker that, you know, we just did just to do. So. That's great, Paul, you know, and, and they're all, and they're all heroes and they're all serving and going above and beyond. And uh, it's amazing. It's just amazing to see uh, the way people are responding. So thank you, Paul. We appreciate our relationship with you. You've been a great supporter, champion of Matrix Gebrightry, and uh, we're very grateful uh, for the friendship that we share. Well, thank you guys. And, and like anything else in a crisis, you see the true colors and, and you guys have, have shown yourselves to be wonderful partners um, for us. So I couldn't be happier with, with what you've been doing this. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Doc, back to you. Thank you both. What a wonderful uh, discussion. And Paul, we appreciate you uh, joining uh, Naveen uh, today on the podcast. That concludes the episode. We thank you for listening. Be sure to visit us at www.matrixcare.com for more information on our products and services. We'd love to hear from you. Give us feedback wherever you get your podcast and let us know everything from how to improve the podcast to future topics that you'd like to see discussed. On behalf of Matrix Care and today's guest, thanks for listening, and we hope to have you back for another episode of the Matrix Care Podcast.